Welcome to this week's episode of Chopping Wood Inside Podcast. I am your host, Murphy Hooker. This is my uh, loyal accomplice, Tom. Say hello. It's very good to hear from you again, <laughs> old friend. That's, How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. It's been a while since we talked. We just got finished watching the seventh or sixth episode. Which episode? The sixth episode. It's six. Uh, Actually, it's part, Murphy. Part six. Uh, Lynch That's would right. like us to say part, but we'll say episode. It doesn't matter. Well, part six, I do feel like that uh, part five and six were almost, uh, should have been one episode because the way they ended the last one and began uh, six did seem like it was an awkward, another one of the awkward cutoffs that we had, like even in the end of episode one and two, where, uh, you know, I personally would have liked to have seen uh, a little more action happen this week in terms of the main overall plot, which has to do with Mr. C and the the Black Lodge and all that stuff. It really was all about waking up, and you know, I'd love to get your thoughts because it's the first time we've talked about episode seven. Um, what did you think? Six, but that's okay. Six. Is we, sorry. Is it future or is it past? We could be talking about seven. Um, yeah. No, I agree about um, six being an extension of five, and really, I know that they're you know they're um, releasing this once uh, you know in one part a week or whatever, but I think it would have been better to have five and six together to watch them um, back to back or as a two hour presentation. I think it I totally agree. better. The, the issue with me watching part, you know, with these, uh, these episodes or whatever um, live is I'm just so like excited and, and the Dougie stuff is so deliberate. I was just rewatching it. And I think that first scene is like, it's almost 15 minutes long of like, you know, from when you first see him to the end, you know, when he's doing the case files or whatever. And I'm just like going, oh my god, it's so excruciating. Give me, give me something, and I get kind of frustrated. But then on a rewatch, I know what to expect, and I, I get into it. And I certainly, I thought this last part was the weakest one out of all of them so far. But on a rewatch, I, I still agree with that. But it's better than when I originally watched it. I, I just, I, I'm seeing, you know, more nuances, and I, I know what to expect, and I'm able to kind of just like accept it for what it is. Well, I think that almost Lynch is almost trolling the audience at some time at this stage when he's got the scene with <laughs> the one-armed man coming out and doing the wake-up <laughs> the wake-up shuffle, which I love the way he was doing like a move. He was conjuring something with his arms and getting him to wake up, and I think that's what everyone uh, watching the show is is begging for, and so they know we want it. They're just making us wait for it. And think about it this way: we've watched six episodes, right? And how right. if we count up all the hours. That Dougie has been, he's taken up at least an entire episode, maybe more, maybe an, maybe an episode and a half. So of the six episodes, an, an episode and a half has been all Dougie. And I think we've I got to see him. He's got to go. He's got to go, doesn't he? Well, Is, could, could he last till episode like 14 or something? He could. Is that conceivable? I mean, it is, of course, yeah. I mean, just look, I mean, how like, farcical was it when, when we saw, well, for me, because we haven't talked about this yet until now, but... When, when I saw part five, well, when, when we discussed it, we thought it was the best one. We loved it. And you especially said how that last scene really, like, kind of hit home for you. It was very poignant. Oh, yeah. And you got very emotional. The music, just him at the statue. And I, and I agree. And then I'm, I'm so excited for the next part. And then it literally – You're back it, at the statue. It's that statue again. <laughs> it was like – it's like Lynch is like – I mean – I know this is like was made to be like a movie and whatnot, but it's like uh, seeing that I was like, uh oh, I know we're gonna get like about ten minutes of Dougie here, and I was just I was waiting for something else. You but, know, one uh, interesting fact about that statue. I don't know if you've read about this, but I uh, I heard uh, over the internet that in the secret, uh, it wasn't the secret, but it was the autobiography of Dale Cooper, which is a book you read, I believe, in 1992, right? Yeah, Dale Cooper's, yeah. and in that book. 
And like page 78, he talks about that he sleeps over his favorite poster on the wall of the FBI story starring Jimmy Stewart, and it's an exact image. That poster is the exact pose of that of that statue. Oh, I and did. So I mean, I, I heard something that about that. About. I know of that, but um, I've been purposely trying to not read as much um, about you know people's theories or, or listening to other podcasts or whatever because I want to keep my kind of ideas or whatever fresh. But um, I did not know that, and that makes total sense. I mean, no one would get that unless they read that book, obviously. Um, but that's very interesting. That's another callback. I mean, the agent saying he's awesome. an agent. I think that's great. Case files. Um, uh, I got a little tingle badge. when I heard that. I was like, they're really that. That just shows that they meticulously plotted this thing out. And oh, they did. They they're did. making it's us just... wait, but they're not making us wait because they're trying to rope a dope us because they got nothing. But you know, they've got a great a great story. But then I have also you know, if you think of it this way, they started out with a nine episode season. Then they realized they could get eighteen. And they spread out. I imagine some of these scenes are allowed to be edited uh, in Kubrickian long format because they've got the time to do it. And that sometimes it's not like they said, okay, I've got nine episodes worth of material. Let's uh, write nine more episodes. They may have written four more episodes and then just stretched out every scene to Kubrickian links so that he can fully uh, you know, express his artistic vision. Um, yeah, so there, is a, there actually is some rope-a-dope involved. But – I, uh, the great thing is that they've got I still fully trust that they have an amazingly meticulously planned out story that is uh, going to wow us um, just like they proved at the end they gave us another nugget with the, 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 the little Indian nickel rolling into the, 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 the Nez Perce uh, manufactured uh, bathroom stall which is something that's a callback to the, 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 secret, the secret history, history. of Twin Peaks right? so they're well, giving it to us slowly and it's going to happen. Well, that's it, isn't it? That's the message from the log lady. That's the answer, right? I mean, right. That is. That is the answer. But, you know, here's the question. Were they, wait, were they in the women's restroom or not? Because I've gotten conflicting uh, viewpoints on that. Well, I thought, like, originally when I first watched it, because Chad, the lovable Chad, walks in there. And I thought uh, it, Chad said, like, you're in the women's restroom or whatever. So I thought it was. The, but then it was like I thought maybe maybe I, I, I don't know. I just I saw it the one time. Is that Did Hawk say – Go use use the, the yeah, restroom. go use the women's restroom. I think that's what it was, right? It was. So why, would he, be, why would Hawk why would in the he women's be in the women's restroom? restroom? Exactly. Then why would why would Chad walk into the women's restroom? I think that's what was said. But um, so I, agree. I agree. So, so okay, I so then it's so, so there were thoughts. Is that you know some missing pages from Laura Palmer's diary? Is it from something that the one-armed man slipped in there when he was having his Haloperidol freak out in season two, right? Episode four or five or whatever it was. Um, what the hell is in that note? And that's the frustrating thing is they make you wait. And they may make, it make us wait another couple episodes. They aren't going to maybe reveal that even the next episode. But what well, are I agree. Thoughts? We had the wait of an episode um, for, like, we all kind of assumed that when Albert and Cole were talking at the, uh, I don't know if it was an airport or whatever, that, you know, they, you know, they were going to meet Diane. We thought it was going to be Diane. But we had to wait a whole other episode to get that scene, and then when we get the scene, it's literally just, just one like line. One oh, that line. was that—that that was what pissed me off actually, and gave right. me uh, the most frustration from this scene or this episode was that we didn't get that. If they had just given us that scene, then I would have been okay and said this season, this great, this episode is is on par. But that's what really, they're really holding out on us. And, right. Uh, but it was what? hey, it was amazing to see her. That's for sure. She looked nothing like I would have imagined Diane to look like. Um, what do you think? I mean, yeah. What are your What is your speculation on her role going forward? Is it going to be a big one, like we think? Like, I mean, I imagined like Laura Dern looking somewhat like a normal person sitting alongside Cooper in the car uh, in episode thirteen, because we have heard uh, Laura Dern herself comment that she does have some scenes with Cooper in a car. Uh, but I didn't expect her to look like this nineteen forties, nineteen twenties damsel with the platinum blonde hair and the bombshell. Uh, exotic cat eyes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I thought that that article where she she mentioned about being in a car with Cooper and there was something with birds or whatever, and it was like, oh, this is kind of a scoop because it was the article came out before the show began to air, and it seemed like odd. I didn't really get it. It sounded just like Blue Velvet because there's that you know that kind of I wouldn't say iconic scene, but the Robin scene in yeah. the car or whatever. And I thought maybe she was maybe mentioning or making you know kind of a reference to that. So. I don't know because I don't. I don't think she would say like I'm going to be in a car with with Cooper talking about birds. So, who the hell knows? I I, th I think she will have a uh, prominent role. I mean, she has to. Um, I would think. 
Um, so and it's Laura Dern. It's David Lynch's muse. So I think she'll be in a few episodes or whatever. But um, what her actual like role beyond like kind of confirming that you know maybe Cooper isn't who he seems to be. I mean, Cole and Albert already you know uh, suspect that. So is she gonna have some kind of role you know um, you know outside of that? So yeah, I would think so. But she's not an FBI agent. She was a secretary, right? I mean, that was her role. She was Cooper's secretary. Well, was it was that ever explicitly stated at some point? I mean, we, we implied that, but I'm well, not sure. I, I don't. I mean, I I I think you know uh, maybe like because you know there there were the tapes, you know the uh, they you know we were talking about the secret uh, the autobiography of Dale Cooper. There was they also released the tapes, and you know they used a lot of cues from the show, the original series. But then they they created some additional cues or whatever, and I I think like because he made a mention like that I think like he compared her look to a cross between like a cabaret singer and I, I can't remember what the other like uh, reference was but I mean she kind of with that bob or whatever that platinum bob or whatever I can see like cabaret singer or something or whatever maybe she's always had that look um, you know it's not something that's like trendy or whatever but um, I mean I digress but I think she was his secretary or is his secretary so I don't think she's going to be like carrying a gun and going with Albert and Cole as they try to track down you know whatever the real Cooper or you know, the crimes of Mr. C. But, uh, so I don't know, but I think, yeah, I'm just glad she's been presented and uh, I'm eager to see what happens next. I just, the one thing about the last part, no Mr. C. No yeah, Mr. C Yeah, this is the all. one episode that we have not seen Mr. C and I, I've been uh, reluctant to get on the, well, it took me a couple episodes to really fully embrace Mr. C's uh, Nick Cage, Sailor Ripley-ness, but um, <laughs> I miss him. I miss him this episode because he too. is, he is the ultimate, um, he's, he's at the crux of everything in terms of the, the main mystery. And just to see when it's left up to being our main protagonist being Dougie, which is, uh, you know, <laughs> as entertaining as it can be, but it's, it's not something that we can, it doesn't move the plot forward. It moves it over the plot forward in a shuffling Chauncey Gardner type fashion. Um, and I did like, you know, one thing I haven't, uh, that I did notice is that in the scene where he's with his boss, um, looking up at that picture of him, uh, his boss, when he was a, a boxer back in the 1940s and he's yeah. looking down at his boss and looking up. And I feel like that that's, that he's recognizing that that man was once that man on the, on the, on the, that man in front of me is, was once that man on the wall. And then perhaps who was I once? You know, I think that's what they're trying, yeah. right? Is that, I, that, that who was I? Who was right. I once? Could I have been someone else? I think that's what they're trying to say with that looking up and down at the poster thing. Um, I totally agree with that. Um, and I didn't really kind of pick up that originally, but on a, kind of a rewatch, I'm like, why did they really, I mean, it really, they show that picture, you know, of him, that boxing, you know, photograph or, you know, portrait or whatever, twice. They go, this is like important. Cooper's really kind of studying it and kind of looking down. Like, what, what's Clinching his fist. Here? I think that's yeah. another thing he learns like clinch because he's done nothing violent in terms of he's been pushed around and dragged around by Janie E and all this other stuff going on, but he's never retaliated or shown any anger or aggression. And by that clinch of the fist, it also harkens back to the looking at the FBI poster or the statue of that and knowing that yeah. he was a lawman and seeing the badge on the, the sheriff in the beginning and being fascinated with that. So I like all the, what, he, what they're doing. It's just taking too long to get there. And, uh, you know, if it was, like I said, uh, I think we're both in agreement. I would love to binge watch this and just watch it in one 18-hour uh, movie if I could uh, have the, the stamina for that because I think that's when it's going to play best. Like breaking it up into these little pieces, this probably might be one of the most um, – it's right in the middle, you know, or, or right. a third of the way through. And so it's like just a, a, a connector point with a lot of the plots. With it had a few, you know, there was like two people died on screen, one off, right? And but still, nothing really major happened. And uh, what did you think about Dick Horn? Uh, <laughs> Dicky Horn, know, little Dicky Horn. Tell me about. Tell me what your thoughts on little Dicky Horn. Well, I love the scene with Balthazar Getty. It was so. It was so obviously every scene pretty much is like drawn out and very deliberately paced or whatever. But um, it was just so. I, I find it very like interesting. He was an interesting character because we just got a little shot of him at the roadhouse at the end of the second part or whatever making the old finger gun at, at Shelly or whatever now we know that he he he's like the big like he's the major mover of drugs probably in like you know in Canada into Twin Peaks or whatever he's the man and I thought his performance was just so it was kind of like Sailor Ripley-esque a little bit you know, he was doing the kung fu moves or whatever 
um, with a little Frank Booth undercurrent, but the magic trick. That was like, you know, okay, is that like my my first thought was like, okay, Dickie Horn is on drugs, and it's just like he's just like you know he's he's kind of like tweaking and like freaking out a little bit. But it's I don't sparkle. think so. They're on sparkle. Yeah, like sparkle. On sparkle. There's it's it's tripping on sparkle, but I think there's <laughs> more to it than that. Not to say that you know Balthazar Getty's character is like you know. You know, like, you know, kind of a, like a lodge spirit or so. I don't think it's like that, but he might have some kind of, you know, mystical power, not powers, but there just might be more to him well, than meets the eye. Well, obviously, obviously he has some powers of what we saw was real. He, he made a yeah. dime about hanging in the midair for 10 seconds. It did an amazing magic trick where the dime then came out of Richard Horn's mouth and then it landed back into Red's hand and it disappeared from Richard Horn's hand, which after he just removed it from his mouth, that's one pretty good fucking trick, dude. Well, yeah, no, it's a really good trick. It was very, I, I love the way that it was, it was, you know, played out, and uh, it's just kind of this bizarre, and, uh, and and I loved it, and I love the fact that he called him kid. He kept calling him kid, and obviously Dickie Horn didn't like being called kid. And then, like five minutes later, Dickie Horn runs over a kid. You know, I mean, it was right. just like, and he was chanting "kid," screaming "kid" in the car when he was yeah. banging the ceiling like John Goodman in Raising Arizona screaming kid and there he was he conjured a kid right and it was almost like you know Balthazar Getty was like kind of prophesizing the red characters probably like you know like you know heads I win tails you lose and the shot is on the tails the tail of the dime like he loses and the illusion to kid and then you know running over the kid or whatever I, I just I, I really like that was one of the, my favorite scenes of the last uh, episode or whatever I, I like the really smiling cool. his smiling henchman with the machine gun in the background just yeah, right? the entire time that right yeah awesome. It was just great. I love the the ambiance kind of, or the ambiance of the exterior right before we went into the scene. It yeah. seemed like it was by the old Packard sawmill because yeah, there was like a bunch he, of logs yeah, and yeah, yeah. I don't know where it was. I'm assuming that we're in Twin Peaks proper somewhere, but um, I did I did like that scene a lot. It was a highlight of the last episode, um, and the same thing with the hawk scene. I, li- I like the hawk scene a lot. Obviously, not much dialogue, but th- hopefully we can you know we can do away now with like you know an endless scenes of Andy. And Hawk and Lucy in that in that you know the room looking over the case files. Yes, yes. And I mean, we just okay, can we, we've done that. It's great, fine. Move on, and we can progress. The thing is, I think, and and I've always suspected this because there's this great um, bit in this book. It's called Lynch on Lynch. I think the author's name is Chris Rodley or whatever. And they were talking about Firewalk with Me, and they talked about. Uh, the scene with Annie in like the bed that Laura has the dream, you know, when she puts the the painting up on the wall, the portrait of the room on the wall, and she sees Annie in her bed, and Annie says like, you know, I've been with Dale, or the good Dale's in the lodge, and he can't leave, write it in your diary or whatever. Well, Lynch says in that in that to respond in response to that, he, first thing he says like, I don't really like talking about these things because he never really explains anything, but he said like. That's very important, basically. I know that Laura wrote that down somewhere, like on a scratch of paper, somewhere or whatever, and it's like it exists somewhere, and it's like it could be found or it will be found, basically. And for Lynch to say that, and this interview happened, I think, around the time of Lost Highway, like in the mid to late 90s or whatever, I think they carry that over. I think that is what Hawk has found in the bathroom or whatever, Um, some kind of – either a diary, you know, the pages from the diary or some other thing that will allude to that line that there is like two Coopers or a, a Cooper in the lodge or whatever, and it will be make reference of Annie somehow. That's what I really think that is. So is it um, possible that is, they reference that without even with excluding Annie for completely? Cause they, there's been talk that Annie has, is not in the show. Could they do that? callback plot without Annie. How is that possible? Well, they could do like a thing where it's like, if they did do that, I don't think they will. I think they will. I think the whole thing with the Annie thing has been this big ruse. We've both read the secret um, history of Twin Peaks where she's never mentioned and there's been some kind of like, like, you know, erasure of like her identity and Norma's background and her mom. There's something funky going on. So I think that it's really like a big, 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 like kind of like mystery, and they, they didn't want to make any kind of like allusion to it at all. Um, so, um, do you think Annie I, may be coming back? Like that would be awesome. Well, I, I wouldn't. David th- Bowie and Annie, Annie it, come back. It's po- I mean, I would think it would be like more likely that we see uh, Heather Graham than David Bowie. But um, <laughs> I think that um, still holding out hope. I am too. I mean, they, it, that would be I mean, an amazing. We've had like how many references of Philip Jeffries in these uh, oh first couple of parts? But the thing with uh, the the pages or whatever. Um, is like okay, like why are you know why were they in that bathroom stall hidden in that way, and who the hell 
you know, planted them there. There's not a lot of people, especially if it's from Laura, you know, um, if it was from her diary. Um, my thinking is it's not going to be, well, it, it could very well be, but I, I mean, I, I could see maybe some retconning here, a little bit or whatever, that it's not like, it's not like torn pages or pages from her diary, but um, in all likelihood, it probably is. Obviously, she didn't do that. Um, so Did who did what that? Retconning means to the audience. Retconning means, I think, like, you know, well, my interpretation of that is, like, you know, so we have the canon of, like, Twin Peaks proper, you know, like, you know, all the original episodes and even Firewalk With Me, they exist. Obviously, these scenes or whatever. But, like, in a, a new iteration or whatever, they retcon. They take something that um, uh, wasn't really, like, you know, existed or they change it in order to, like, kind of, like, manipulate the plot for this new iteration or whatever. So it's basically um, saying, like, you know, Laura, she wrote that in her diary, um, those pages, and they showed up like 25 years later. But think about it. She didn't have the diary in Fire Walk With Me. She'd already given it to Harold Smith. So it wouldn't have been in her diary proper. It would have been, you know, um, like on some scrap of paper or something like that, or even a third diary, or, or the one diary that they actually found, but, you know, it wasn't in there. So if they actually say these are missing pages from Laura Palmer's diary that has these, this additional information on there, that's retconning because we know for a fact that she didn't have her diary. They're just, they're just adding that to this new mystery and going like, hey, look, you know, we're, we're just changing the, the game, so to speak, or like a part of the game to, to move the plot further. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, okay. I see. Yeah. I'm not big into like explaining myself with retconning because it's kind of a new term for me as well. But I think that's – that's that's how it the term. Well, let's is. move on to our our one of our greatest Hollywood cinematic icons in the world. Uh, is <laughs> Who's this? Harry Dean Stanton. Oh God, <laughs> Harry! Of course, talk yes. about talk about Harry Dean. I love oh. man all the 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 scene in the car where he's like, I've been smoking for seventy five fucking years. The genuineness that was that was Harry Dean Stanton saying that right there, and. Uh, He's such a fucking great actor. Like, just the looks. His, he didn't have to say anything. I think that scene was completely overblown, and all those cutaways to the extras looking horrified was done by, like, three minutes too much. But uh, Harry <laughs> Dean's performance was fantastic, and uh, he's so great. I hope he comes back. I hope that's not his only scene. I think he is. I think he's going to play, uh, a, a, I would say, a, a pivotal role, but uh, somewhat of a pivotal role just because of his connection to – um, that line in Fire Walk With Me where he says, like, I've already gone places. And, uh, you know, in the book, they have him uh, with the log lady as children and another kid that went missing uh, when they were kids in, like, you know, the woods of oh, Twin Peaks. Yeah. The, the, the kind of the assumption is it was near <laughs> Glastonbury Grove. And she had, the log lady yeah. came back with the uh, the tattoo of the, the mountains or whatever. So they, I think they, they added that in there that, you know, and obviously in this scene, he sees the kid's soul ascend to the heavens, right? I mean, so he's was that he's his obviously because uh, he did, did he ascend to the heavens or did he absorb into the electricity wires? Well, I said that's I mean, that's a good point. It's like it could. I mean, it's a very good point because right after that, they cut to that shot of the electricity pole. Right, it was Firewalk with Me. Right, callback. But I, that's something I wanted to talk about. I want to I want to finish up with Harry Dean, but um, w- rewatching it during that whole Dougie segment in the beginning, like there's, it's not a transition, but after Janie E goes upstairs or whatever and says, Hey, get to work on your case files or whatever. He, he kind of looks at him or whatever. And it's right before the one armed man appears, we cut to the, you know, iconic, you know, uh, street light, you know, the uh, yeah. traffic signal in twin peaks. The original, yeah. And, awesome. and it, it, uh, and then we hear this cackle or this crackle of, of electricity which never we never got that you know sound with the uh, with the traffic light before, and it fades out. It fades out. It's like it's like a transition. It like fades. And it doesn't out. transition us into Twin Peaks either. No, it doesn't. It, and it, what it goes is it cuts right back to Dougie, I believe, briefly, and then it goes right to like the Black Lodge, or maybe it goes right to the Black Lodge with Mike kind of like trying to channel like you know Dougie or whatever. But then right you know the, back to the Harry Dean scene, you know right. After, you know, um, that kid dies and he sees, you know, his soul either absorb into the, the, the wires of the electrical like wires. We see that same uh, pole or, or that electricity pole right at that uh, cross section or whatever. And then the camera pans up and we hear the electricity again and it fades out again. 
those two fade out. There's something with – I mean, obviously I don't have any, like, answers or whatever, but that is a callback to Firewalk with me with the um, – the electric, uh, electrical pole at the Fat Trot trailer park, which had that number six. Yeah, and, and was that where the uh, where the Tremont's uh, camper trailer was parked? Where yes. Where Desmond disappeared into? Was yeah. that the exact same spot? Do you think we're going to go back to that? Because that, that, uh, that that's on the Fat tri- Trout trailer park's premises, that electrical pole, right? It wasn't right. like next to the intersection where he was no killed. that was oh, in a which different is uh, i also read uh you know that that was the intersection that uh the one armed man confronted leland in firewalk with me that is true that is that how did anybody notice that would they was there a street sign somewhere no there's <laughs> there's it's the only intersection in town <laughs> it is I think. no there's this there's this i think brick building um which looks exactly the same and uh uh, they're just people who are like uh, I'm assuming they're just they're freeze framing they're going frame by frame. I knew it because I had been uh, reading about um, the production, and I had actually seen a couple of stills of that scene. I knew that there was an accident involving uh, a kid getting hit by a car, and yeah, uh, that was the first leak you ever uh, sent me like a year ago or whatever it was when that was the yeah one, almost the only thing other than some scenes of Mr. C with Jennifer Jason Lee that we saw. Or the one that you think uh, with him and Laura, which may be coming in the future episodes, um, but that was the first one we right. saw, and it came true this episode. It did, yeah. So, and I knew it was like at that intersection, but um, is I this going to mean I, something? I mean, really, is it going to mean something mm-hmm. in the grand scheme of the bigger picture, or is this just like uh, ep- uh, evidence or a plot uh, point to get Richard Horn in trouble? Well, I mean, it's just the, the thing. I, I talking about the scene in general, and I totally agree with you. With like the cutaways, it went on way too long. The, the people is almost like they pulled people from like yeah. who are watching it, going like, "Hey, well, you look kind of sad," and everyone like was like you know putting their hands up to their faces or whatever. It was just horrible, like you know, extra acting or whatever. But the Harry Dean and the woman, you know, the mother, they were great, and the music. I think that was the, really the first original Angelo piece that we've heard. If I'm not mistaken. Oh, I didn't um, even notice that. That's I believe weird. it is. Oh, it sounds very Angelo-esque. Um, I believe it is. Um, so, so yeah. So I, I mean, I, I really like the scene, but I was taken kind of like out of it because the the the, 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 the extras or whatever. But I was taken a lot out of it. I hate to tell you, like I really that one. I was. Uh, it really left me cold. I, I, yeah. I thought it was cool. I mean, it was just. I thought that also Richard Horns was just uh, his performance was too shallow and one noted. And went on too long, and then he obviously did a really poor job trying to cover up his murder as well. He didn't even get all the ma- all the blood off the hood with his uh, <laughs> yeah. his little rag job. His two minute. What, what is he doing driving that truck as well? Like, that's the thing is just this, to see it only in an hour fragment in the middle of this eighteen hour saga was bizarre. Um, I, I'm I'm glad that we got to see the first scene with him about this art made him not be just a completely empty character. This just right. a plot piece. Um, but I suppose he is going to play a larger role in the future and that he's got to be the son of Audrey, I would think. Or Jerry. I'm not sure. Or Ben. Or Johnny. Or, you know. He needs <laughs> to be. He needs to have Jerry. He needs to have Ben as his father to come down on him like he would. He'd have, have him uh, scripting bidets in a Bulgarian convent. convent yeah, like, uh, right. I, I would love another Ben Horn. I would love yeah. another Ben Horn sighting. Just I mean, we've got one other of Jerry, but um, – the thing with the the accident, just not to kind of like you know belabor that, but like we have no idea who that woman is. We have no idea who that child is. There's no context whatsoever. Of course, she's a poor mother by letting the child walk out in front of uh, without looking. She let the kid. Yeah, and, it, and that guy, it. that driver, is a like a, a poor like you know um, <laughs> didn't look in the room. judge of care of, of like. Of like Eighty just, mile an hour Mack <laughs> truck coming behind him, roaring yeah. its engine with a guy screaming at the out of the open window. <laughs> like I thought, like and I would God. never like you know, uh, I mean, challenge like Lynch and his directing or whatever. But um, I did think it's like that. I think that scene would have worked a, a little bit better if instead of like little Dicky Horn just immediately going like fuck this, I'm like I'm I'm gotta go. I'm not gonna stop. That he would have like came up to whatever you know the, the cars stopped right and like could have been revving his engine you could see him freaking out some more or whatever blah 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 and then have the cutaway to that guy in the first truck like can he looks in the you know the rear view or whatever or the side mirror and doesn't see anyone because all right go ahead and simultaneously dickie horn goes all right i gotta go now and he goes like kind of the one our man scene and then he goes because as is he just doesn't stop he just goes and that guy in that first truck 
didn't even look. He was just like assuming that there wasn't anyone coming and waved the kid. So that guy could be like, you know, I mean, you're not, he's Negli- not going to be negligent. Negligent, right. I, I mean, think but, in a court of law, the mother would be more negligent. But we'll, that's, we'll, we'll move past that. It was, uh, yeah. it was a scene, you know, people wanted to have more scenes in Twin Peaks. Well, we got them. Uh, we got it, but we don't know who, like, th- this person, this woman is. We don't know. It would have been, like, say hypothetically. Like that was, and it's not obviously, but say hypothetically, that was that was Donna Hayward, you know, and that was like, you know, maybe we had just met her, you know, the first time, and she's now has a kid or whatever, and she walks past Harry Dean in the park, and the scene plays out, and then, you know, obviously the accident. Do you know how much more like like emotional weight it would have on the audience if it was like, oh my God, we just met Donna Hayward, actually, yeah, we yeah, or it didn't have to be her, but like someone that we actually kind of. But you know, no or whatever, as opposed to like some because right now the only real kind of context of this is like little Dickie Horn is like even more of an evil bastard. You know, now he's killed someone. You know, and it's like okay, that it, you know, that's that's horrible. We already know he's a horrible character, or whatever. But does it really mean anything? And it was so graphic, and it, he stayed. Well, the, the Horns scene. family will probably get him off. The Horns have killed. <laughs> that's right. That's a, it's just another day of business, yeah. you know. You got to get Central, Jerry right? to get his law degree back. He needs to get uh, he needs to get certified again so he can go back and represent. He him is again. like he here. He graduated from Gonzaga. I think it's Gonzaga. Like yeah, one, Gonzaga University. One hundred forty-two out of one hundred forty-two, or something like yeah. that. Yeah, Gonzaga University. But um, yeah, so Harry Dean really no. I mean that whole line about like I've been smoking every day for seventy five years, and just him, he just has a gravitas, and I love seeing him, and I hope he does, and I think he will play, you know, somewhat of an important role like down the road. Like where this is all is going, no one knows, right? I mean, we, we can't predict. You know, my prediction would be for episode seven to be like, well, how did how did the previous one end? Well, it's going to start off right there, you know, but. Um, I think we're going back to. Yearn, I'm starting to yearn for episode three and some trips into the uh, astral planes and some strange Cooper or sightings of uh, you know headless major Briggs is floating through space. <laughs> I know, right? I We've like. Uh, I, I agree. I think that we're going to. I think we talked about this a little bit before. I think we're going to go back, not go back, but have some more uh, of these like Logian, you know, episodes or, or spending more time like in different planes of existence or whatever. I just think that it's that those two shots of the the traffic light and the elect, uh, the electrical pole and then fading out was my understanding of Lynch going like just wait we're, we're you know we're going back to some weird shit or whatever coming up shortly. Some weird so, shit may um, happen with the one one nine lady. They keep showing her again and again God, and yeah, again. What is that? She has to be some recreation of the Tremont lady because there's something going on with her. They can't just keep showing her for no reason. Saying I agree. Nine one one backwards. And, Right, and they didn't. It was odd, is that they didn't show the kid this time. Yeah, they no just kid like cut time. away to her. And I think it was the same shot, you know, like like it looked almost exa- like she was wearing the same clothes. She was sitting at that table, you know. Did he reuse that same shot from the previous episode, or did he do another take where it was almost exactly the same? You know, I mean, Lynch loves his doubles. You know, he loves like you know doubling up on you know everything pretty much. But. Um, do you think perhaps uh, some people are entertaining the theory that uh, Sonny Jim is some sort of double because the people have spotted in two episodes that he's done some reverse hijinks, some Neepschneidian type movements with his eyes? And I don't something. know. Have you noticed I that mean, at all? No, I haven't. I, I haven't noticed. Uh, I went like back. Any... I went back and looked at last episode, episode five, and I saw him do a little eye movement, like an eye up down that looked a little awkward and strange. I have not check this time so you think that's lynch little subtle hint that yeah uh, you know i think there's got to be something screwy going on with janie e that's all i'm saying is like who is this character and this character is like a she's, she's also a strange one-dimensional character that seems completely devoid or tethered to any sort of reality in terms of like you know forgiving her is her husband uh you know some sort of um you know, doofus in real life because she really, you know, he cheats on her. He's gone all the time. She's just completely accepting. She yells at him, but she doesn't do anything. His car disappears. No big deal. You know, she's she's a very strange, strangely uh, written and performed character. Um, the, her redemption, at least, was at the end of this episode. I really like the scene where she got the, uh, you know, $25,000 or the $20,000 discount, whatever it was, from the two bookie guys, Jer- Jeremy was his name Jeremy Davies? Who was yeah, like Jeremy Davies. Guy? I like him a lot. Yeah. But uh, what do you think about Janie? Um, well, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's been kind of like this. Um, 
kind see, of see Naomi Watts. You know what she reminds me of? She's a great actress, and I, you know, and her and Birdman. I just watched that recently. She's she's fantastic. Um, she reminds me of she reminds me of Diane uh, acting in Mulholland Drive badly sometimes in these scenes where she's yelling, and it doesn't seem real because it's not tethered to any form of reality. You know, and uh, I don't think that's Naomi Watts's fault. I think that David Lynch is instructing her to do this. Do you think? Did you mean Diane or did you mean Betty? Because Betty was this. Oh kind yeah, Betty of Diane. Wasn't Betty also? Didn't she turn into Diane next later on? Well, there's two. Flipped? Yeah, she turned into what well, turned into her Debbie. character in Mulholland Drive. She was. was it she evolved Betty into Diane. Yeah, yeah so Betty, Betty. So she really was Diane. She really was Diane. Well, I mean, we can get into a whole thing about Mulholland she was Drive. She's fantasizing to do about being Betty, right? <laughs> that's another. Right, that's yeah, another Betty podcast. was this kind of like naive, you know. Oh, I just got off the, you know, the, the plane from you know Deep River, Ontario, or whatever. She but was she's this a bad kind actor. of right. I mean, it was like, the, and I think that's like deliberate. Lynch. I always go back to that uh, Kubrick line from um, The Shining. Like he was talking to Spielberg. And Spielberg, like apparently, he didn't really like The Shining as much, like on the fir- on his first viewing, and um, he thought Jack Nicholson's character it was just too extreme, it was too theatrical or whatever. And and Kubrick's response was like, "Well, who are your who's your favorite like you know who's your favorite actor? Who are your, some of your favorite actors?" And and Spielberg was like, "Well, you know, it's uh, you know Jimmy, you know uh, Stewart and Cary Grant, blah blah blah." Well. Kubrick was like Jimmy Cagney's my favorite or whatever. Like he liked that theatricality. He was, top, yeah. he was over the top. It was done on purpose. And I think Lynch is doing the same thing. It really does, you know, um, uh, have similar like strains of, of Betty and Mulholland Drive. And I think she's directed that way. Like something like that one line say, Dougie, you've lost weight. You know, it's like who the fuck would say that in that <laughs> Let's kind go of? Let's get you that new black suit. M- wives yeah. know everything that their husbands own, and would yeah. be wondering where the hell the suit came that was tailored from a completely different. Uh, you know, uh, they would notice this stuff. They would have him. You know, he needs to go to the doctor clearly. And also, what the hell happened to the other four hundred thousand bucks that he won at the uh, at the at the gambling casino? Like what's she done with that? <laughs> well, she's, she's in charge. Acting like everything's normal, and she <laughs> right. talks about she has no money, and she's a ninety-nine percenter driving a crappy car, which I thought was pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, but she obviously is a status-oriented person, and you know she's got four hundred grand. What's she doing with that? No, that's very interesting. Yeah, it's like, it's okay. They won five four hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and then he owed fifty. It's like okay, all right. And she even said that we we'll, we have plenty of money left where we can pay them off, and you know we can you know live our lives, blah blah blah. And then she makes the decision. Like, you know, off camera, we don't have any, like, reason for this. Like, well, what I'm going to do is only pay him $25,000, you know, and there's not going to be any kind of negotiation. So um, what's the, the rationale behind that? I don't know, but it says a lot about her she character. she wanted to call it's off a, the dog. She wanted to make sure if she paid the full amount, then they would continue to squeeze her potentially if they knew they had the money for it and that uh, she's playing hardball. Well, it's true because didn't they say like Tough Dame or something like that? Like strong Jeremy Davies yeah, said lady, something yeah. Strong Lady or something like that. Um, I would so not th- think the real gamblers though would uh, take take that for an answer. They still would. They'll still probably be coming after him. Aren't they the they ones? Prob- hey, aren't they the ones that hired the Spike, the little Spike guy, the the assassin? No, dude, that's a whole thing. Okay, here's what that, I think with the that. Vegas, the big time Vegas guys. So the, yeah. So here's the thing with that. The, the dots are that I think the very first scene in part two where we had that. I think his, his actor's name is Patrick Fischler, if I'm not mistaken. He's the guy in Mulholland Drive that, like, had the dream about, you know, Danny's yeah, yeah, the yeah. bomb or whatever. He was a madman as well. Yeah, he's a good actor. Um, so we saw him in that in that second episode, and uh, basically he's like he, he gave some underling, like, some money to tell her she has the job or whatever. And, and then we get from the underling basically, like, why, why, do you, why do you do these things for him, whoever him is or whatever? Um, my thinking is, is that that money was for um, – that that woman who got iced by the ice pick by Spike Ike whatever his name is or whatever I think she was the one who actually got hired hired those two guys who were outside of Rancho Rosa because she was on the phone with them or whatever and Dougie never got murdered or whatever and she made that phone call on her BlackBerry to Buenos Aires that black box. How does that connect? How does Buenos Aires connect to Vegas? Well, I think it's all tied into Mr. C and or Jeffries, right? So right. the popular theory, I'm, I'm assuming, when I was reading a lot of stuff, was that, you know, Mr. C somehow manufactured Dougie. And then at 2.53 on that day or whatever, instead of him getting pulled back into the Black Lodge, that Dougie would get pulled or that um, Dougie would or Cooper would go into Dougie, basically, and 
Dougie would get pulled in the Black Lodge, and then Cooper would be assassinated and killed because there can't be the, the two of them can't live in the same like you know you know plane of reality or existence or whatever. So I think that's what it was that maybe like Mr. C had set up you know um, Dougie to be killed, and what we're seeing is that the train of the people involved to do that. My but the the, the monkey wrench in that all is Philip Jeffries is is either that black box residing in that black box or that's just like, you know, where he keeps his, you know, phone calls or whatever. And that's where that message went to. And the really bizarre thing is, is that last scene with that Patrick Fischler guy, I think his name is Duncan Todd in this, in this in the series, yeah. Duncan or whatever, is that he's on his laptop, right? And he sees this like little red square, red square which here. looked like red drapes, red curtains from the Black Lodge. And it was like he knew then, like, okay, turn around, go to my little credenza, get my little, uh, you know, whatever, his little hanky or whatever, so my fingerprint. And he opened up like a safe, and he pulled out that, that um, envelope with the black circle on it. My thinking is, is that that was just transmitted somehow. Like there's some weird, like, you know uh, – you know, Niepschneid kind of like elements there, like whoever Philip Jeffries, Mr. C, like somehow is like creating like a photo of that woman and actual Dougie, that because that wasn't Cooper, that was Dougie, you know, to, to give to the little hitman or whatever. There's some so there's weird. Some sort of like digital, like photo fax machine inside of that, like safe box that just magically, or some teleportation that. Like a, like yeah, that's the word I was looking for. It's like a teleport, something like that, because I don't think that Gmail. thing was. Yeah, because it will mail instantly. Yeah, because I don't think that thing was sitting in there, you know, for, you know, a day or whatever. I mean, that's his. I mean, it somehow got transported in there. And I think it was like we got the red square, like look like curtains. That that was our, our, our cue that this is kind of otherworldly or supernatural, Blue Rose-esque or whatever. And he kind of knows that. You know, it's like, you know, because didn't he tell his underling in that one episode, you better pray that you don't have someone like him, like, you know. You know, on you or you know, where yeah. You know, so you think that's Mr. C? That's interesting because I always assumed that that was Nepper and uh, Belushi, that they were the bosses of him, and that he was referring to them. And that red square was a notice from Nepper and Belushi to to order the hit. But that inside that safe, they were it was already there. They were going to hire a hit. Are they? They potentially were going to hit them, but they were going to wait to see if they could, uh, you know, pull through. You know, I guess whatever it was, and they realized, okay, now is the time. They sent the red square to Duncan, and Duncan pulled out those uh, hit orders that were in there just waiting for him for the right moment, potentially. No, but yeah. I, I, what's, what's odd is I have heard some people uh, you know, have your same theory. Oh, really? a totally different take okay. than, than mine, so it's interesting how people interpret That's what that. I think. No, I think that there's uh, – we're going to find out more about whatever the connection is between Mr. C – and um, and Philip Jeffries or Argentina, that black box or whatever that is now, it got turned into some kind of little stone or something or whatever. And this this Vegas connection with this Duncan Todd or whatever. I never really like put like Belushi and Nepper with him. I think Belushi and Nepper are kind of Mr. Eddie types. Obviously, they they run that casino. They don't like that they lost all that money. Obviously, they're going to be involved in in the plot somewhat. And I think with with Dougie Cooper. But I don't think they're, like, connected to, like, Mr. C or Jeffries or any kind of supernatural elements. I think they're just, like, Eddie type, Mr. Eddie types or whatever. But um, that that is interesting. I mean, that, how that unfolds and somehow being tied to South Dakota because I think that's what we're going to get in the next episode. I think we're going to go back to South Dakota. I think that woman from the Pentagon um, who worked for um, Winston Zeddemore is uh, going Ernie to Hudson. Uh, Ernie Hudson is going to show thing. up and we're going to we're going to see like you know uh, Jane Adams, Constance and uh, the detective, the two detectives or whatever and find out a little bit more about Garland Briggs and hopefully Lillard and his oh, Bill Hayward. Yeah, it, uh, Hastings, Lillard. right? Isn't Hastings, Hastings Bill Hastings? Yeah. Cuz I want to know is like his wife got gunned down by Mr. C like in the second episode and that's it. Yeah, right? no one there has mentioned been, that. No one seems right. to have mentioned that she's been shot and killed, and that's. You would that's think that would like kind of like be like yeah, that would be like muddy the waters of that investigation. <laughs> I would think. 
add something to it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, in the way that uh, they she need to, got All they need to do is confiscate her cell phone and see if she's been on dates with Mr. C. It seems like she and Mr. C had some sort of affair going on or something going on, right? Or well, maybe like other, her Tinder account. Man. Yeah, does yeah. Mr. C have a Tinder profile? I think Mr. C's Tinder profile would be very interesting. What would his, like, profile be? Like, what would his, like, because, you, you know, you say stuff, like, it's like you, like, it's like a... Uh, like an introduction, you can you can you know talk about or you know introduce yourself via like text or whatever. Like, would he be like you know uh, you know resident of the Black Lodge, you know or doppelganger? What would be some of his? It would just uh, be something like Garmin, Bo- Garmin Bozia me. <laughs> Very simple, right? Just Garmin yeah. Bozia me. Okay. Garmin Bozia. And what and his and his, uh, his profile picture would be like cream corn or whatever or yeah, you know, it's complicated. Yeah, his status relationship status is it's it's complicated. complicated. <laughs> so yeah, I want to do that, but um. And, and another thing, too, is like, I mean, here's a question that I'd like to pose to you or whatever, is that do you think that we will ever, ever see the glass box again? Yes, I hope so. I think that the glass box is important. I, th- I think the billionaire, um, at least for me and the way I envision how this thing is playing out, that the billionaire would be someone um, that is trying to uh, conjure the power of the dark side, if you will, like some sort of Hellgate uh, connection to the Black Lodge where someone is trying to weaponize. I keep having some in, in, instinct that someone's trying to weaponize Bob or weaponize uh, the powers of the Black Lodge because I hearken back to the line that Wendell Merle said like towards the end of season two where he talks about, uh, you could probably quote it exactly, what is it? I don't know what it's what you which, which, talking about the Black Lodge. If you were able to control the Black Lodge, you could like you know potentially end the world. And that that oh, yeah. goes back to the secret history of Twin Peaks, the Mark Frost book, and uh, all the tales that he told of uh, uh, you know people using trying to use the power of the Black Lodge to potentially uh, you know have powers on Earth that is not. I mean, because really think of it this way. You know, other than Bob, you know, there's no, there's nothing. It's not a useful tool for mass. You know, they use it very selfishly. And uh, if there's other people out there that might be able to use it uh, for a grander scheme, that would be interesting to me. And a billionaire would be perfect for that. Well, yeah, billionaire. there's something an obviously. Evil billionaire. An we need evil, an evil billionaire, billionaire on the show. Is the evil billionaire going to be Tim Roth? Isn't Tim Roth. Yeah, we talked about that. Who else yeah. could it possibly be? Well, who else is like what other big named actor? Are, um, on the list who have we not seen and uh, I can't really think of I think Tim Roth is like the only real kind of like big name actor that we haven't seen yet um, I think we you know we've got Ashley Judd we've got Jennifer Jason Lee Naomi Watts Laura Dern Tom Sizemore um, what uh, do you think about uh, what do you think about that empty manila envelope that ended up in, in uh, Dougie's pile of case files it felt, was on the ground remember the police because oh you dropped this like, I don't think that was a part of the case file. So I think that somehow was slipped in. Did no, that was the one that? I thought. Wait, are you talking about the one that was slipped under their door? Um, no, the the one, uh, no, the one the police brought uh, Coop or, or Dougie back in episode six. Uh, he had that big It was at their door, files. right? And at their door. And so he's walking in. And I believe the policeman goes, oh, you forgot something. And hands him on the ground the empty mani- uh, the, the blank manila envelope that has all the jade uh, scandalous photographs of his affairs on it. Yeah, and, yeah. So it wasn't Dougie was not holding that. No, like, that, that was someone like in. that when someone police? left that like like Lost Highway. Remember they it was left on the, the front door. Yeah, it was just the, the front door. door. Yeah. So we so said, we didn't notice that we never panned down to see that it was. There. No, no, it was just like and, and you knew like once that was said that okay, this is something something bad's in that. Envelope. So what's the point of that? So I'm saying, what is the point of that black? Are they trying to? Because obviously, look at uh, Jane Ishii finds out and nothing happens. Like you know, she's obviously a very resilient woman. She's not going to leave Dougie. So what is right. the purpose of that? Uh, who sent that? Uh, you know, and what is the purpose of it in the story? Do you think? That envelope? Yeah. I think it was the bookies. I think it was Jeremy Davies and that other guy or whatever. That was their, you know. Um, <sighs> to try to end their marriage so they can get the money faster? Well, no, I time? see what you're saying. Now, now that I think about it, it's like, because we just got the phone call, right? We got the phone call going like, yeah, hey, look, phone you know. Calls. It's not them, you would think. Right? So maybe it's someone. Because so they never referred to it. They didn't go, you didn't get the papers, did you? You, you know, know who it could happening? be. I don't know what. No, it couldn't be Sizemore. I really haven't thought about that. Who would be doing surveillance? Sizemore. Actually, Sizemore is an interesting uh, idea because they did have a three-minute hold on him. <laughs> the scene yeah, where know, Ducky's right? going yeah. in. Like, that was another – I actually timed it. It was 45 seconds long. <laughs> and it took, like, at least 20 to 30 seconds for him to start do, looking guilty, extremely guilty, looking around, which is the point of the, the hold. But I think you're right. Maybe it is Tom Sizemore. That's the only logical answer, right? Like, who the heck would be sending that 
that that photo to Dougie and why? Because why would it matter? Their 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 marriage appears to be bulletproof. Is all I'm saying. Yeah, uh, I mean, there's. I mean, I mean, I think that um, there's. Um, when I was again like reading some stuff back in the you know back in the old days, like a couple weeks ago, whatever, is that whatever this reality is, the the Dougie reality, the Chauncey Cooper reality, is not is not reality. It's some kind of you know alternate universe timeline, something or whatever. Because of the way everyone was acting, especially to Dougie or whatever, I just don't believe that. I think it is kind of a reality and a reality or whatever. And it's just Lynch's like kind of like you know hyper reality of how people react or whatever. Um, but the thing with Sizemore and the Lucky Seven Insurance Company and his boss, you know, whatever, th- that's leading to something. Obviously, where Sizemore is, you know, complicit with some kind of nefarious, you know, activities or whatever, and is afraid that, like, you know, Dougie now, who called him out in the previous episode for being a liar, you know, might, you know, like turn, you know, state's evidence, so to speak. And so maybe that's why, you know, maybe that could be the, you know, uh, the leap to him trying to get Dougie in trouble with Janie E. Like, you know, because he's got stuff on him because he knew he went to Bendersville and what have you. We know Dougie was, is a total cad. So I see that. It's leading to something. But I, I, well, then hope I hope to God that it doesn't matter, that we can just move on. That's what I'm saying. Like, but why? Just have this move why? on. He's got to do something to wake up. I mean, we, we, I think we're going to all go crazy if he, he continues. I don't think it's going to be. I don't think. more episodes of Dougie or even five or seven, I am going to be um, a very disappointed no, I think what's going to happen is is that I don't know if it's going to be this next one. Within the next two hours, I think that you know, is it Ike the, or Spike? What's the what's the I little? His name was Ike bit? the Spike. He was Ike the Spike, right? It's Ike the Spike. Okay, yeah. so I think like there's going to be something, you know, some kind of confrontation. Obviously, I don't think you know Dougie's going to die or Cooper's going to die or whatever, but there's going to be something or whatever, some kind of traumatic something. Is it maybe because he's a midget that he's going to, or he's quasi midget that he's going to like see the little man in him or something? Is there some it's sort of possible. visual, yeah, it's, visual it's, attack? Sure. He's, he's leaping on him and he sees something with, here's the music, the little jazz music. <laughs> I don't know. But there's got to be something coming. Uh, no, no, I agree. I think there's something's going to snap him up, but I don't think it's going to be one of these like, uh, like, Oh, you know, like how long have I been out? You know, I think it's going to be like, okay, I'm agent, like I'm Dale Cooper, you know, but he's still kind of little slow or whatever. I think it's going to be like that for like many episodes and we're not going to get like, you know, Diane, I'm holding in my hand a small box of chocolate bunnies. Well, then you like, know who you know? he is. You know who he needs then. He needs Diane. He needs someone to help him on his journey. Exactly. You know he needs a someone. familiar, you yes. know? So I think something's going to happen, like whether there's like a, an assassination attempt or something where like it'll, it'll get like, you know, like the FBI, like, you know, Cole, Albert, you know, Tammy, Diane, someone will see another Cooper, you know, our real Cooper, like, you know, whether it's the Vegas footage, the casino stuff, or some some kind of thing, and they'll go, okay, well, who is this then? If if Cooper's in jail in South Dakota, then who is this Cooper? And then obviously we've got Hawk. If there's a page from that you know from that bathroom stall that says like the good Dale is in the lodge and he can't leave, and if that you know lines up with you know all these other dots or whatever, then boom. We've got this like huge kind of like third act, like you know, great like you know, drama conflict thing going on. And I think that's what's going to happen. But I think there's so much more, and the stuff that you're talking about, the weaponization of of Bob or what have you, um, some bigger master plan that we're, we're, we can't even fathom right now. I think is going to play into because I don't think it's going to wind up with like you know, Mr. C and and Cooper like you know, like you know, doing the kind of like a you know, uh, you know, and a you know, Roman ring, like gladiator style, like a fight Woo to the death. Yeah. Like a face off with the doves in the black lodge. I don't think we're going to get that, but, um, who the hell knows? Um, well, potentially we think, tell me about you to, you had texted me earlier. You got the titles for the nine episodes, nine through 12. What were they? One about, yeah, about I think Laura, right. Yeah. So I think like, uh, I'm going my memory here or whatever. So it's nine through 12. I want to say like nine is, this is the chair. That is the title, which is, seems like, 
it's it's like a little man kind of like line, right? Like yeah, you know, this is like a, a formica table. Green is the color, but who? The, I mean, he's not in it. But this maybe is the there's chair. someone named the chair because we have the audience. <laughs> the <laughs> right. There the you chair. go. The evolution of the chair that he used to sit in. Um, and it's then Josie. The, ooh. It's a wooden chair. The, hey, Josie. Yeah. Josie, that's good. Right. Uh, so the uh, the next one I believe is uh, Laura is the one. I think that's ten or yeah ten. Like Laura is the one, oh, which makes me think of like that's the girl, like that's the girl. But no, but okay, that's good. James didn't James say in the original series like in the pilot right when he saw Ed and uh, he goes she was the one. Didn't he say that? Like he goes, remember he pulls I up. Tune out all Big Ed and James related scenes. Oh come on, that in the pilot. It's like so he pulls up right, and then he goes like, uh, "Buy you a cup of coffee," and he goes, "Can't do it." And uh, I think I think he says like, "She is the one." Well, that was what I. Um, that's what I did when I first heard that. I thought like, James. Well, that's compelling. Okay, so yeah. Laura, we're going to see more Laura, obviously. Or yeah, Laura is the one, and then eleven. Is something like uh, oh god, yeah. It's something about like there's that place has fire, or there's going to be fire in that place, or so, it's a very log lady esque line. Something about fire in a location. I can't remember exactly, but the next one, episode twelve, is let's rock. Oh yes. Yeah. So oh, yeah, me like that. <laughs> so yes, yeah, much maybe better from than that one. From that episode twelve on, it may just be pure Lynchian insanity. Yeah, like uh, astral planes for like yeah, six hours, right? For days, turtles yeah. all the way down, just insanity. I hope so. Because <laughs> we thought, you know, hey, it'd be cool to be tethered back in the real world, but I actually am missing. I am missing that. So I, you know, the next, uh, the next episode, I would imagine we're probably. I mean, but Cooper has to uh, first. <laughs> both of our protagonists are trapped in forms of jail. We have Cooper, bad Cooper, trapped in actual jail. We have our Dougie Cooper trapped in the body of Dougie. And so until bo- either of those characters break out, then we're stuck in this like it's quicksand um, mode until someone helps them get out. I think that's what the next episode is going to be about. Some one of those two guys have got to get out of right. jail. My uh, one thought, and I think we talked about this briefly not too long ago, was um, I don't know if they're going to do this. It would be interesting though um, if you know because uh, Dougie Cooper obviously is slowly coming to you know the realization or, or the, you know the old coop I, we don't know how long it's going to take but we, we know probably it's going to happen or whatever he's already got the black suit back on or whatever but uh, if Mr. C gets out he's got it he can't spend the rest of the series in jail I would assume that he gets out <laughs> who the hell knows though right that he if he gets out and they realize you know obviously I'm not realize but you know he escapes or what have you even if he does it whatever the circumstances are but he cuts his hair and puts on a black suit. Then we've got these two Coopers that oh, look no. exactly the same. And if Dougie, see, that's the whole thing is that I don't think Dougie will ever, or, you know, Cooper as Dougie, you know, the, the dim the Chauncey, you know, Cooper. Like I said, I don't think he's ever going to get back to that old Cooper that we know. He's still going to, there's going to be some kind of reverberation from his 12, 25 years in the lodge. And Mr. C, obviously, you know, he there's some it's era very good. You know, there's something with him since he barfed up all his Garmin Bozia. There could very well be like moments where if that happens that we don't know which one we're looking at, you know, yeah, the bad coop is more coop than coop. Yeah. I mean, and that could be very compelling. But that also seems kind of like, you know, something out of like, you know, Dallas in like 1982 or Knott's Landing I do or something think, uh, that a lot of the Peaks fans, if they are, you know, given the opportunity to follow bad coop as coop. Going like aces and Diane, let's have some butt or Dougie Coop. They're gonna say, let's kill Dougie Coop and let's go with the bad Coop because that's what they want to see. That's really all they care about. That's they, everyone's just. That's all they want to see is the old Coop blowing the whistles, doing all the you know whittling and eating pancakes and guzzling coffee and being happy, right? And, uh, positive. Which but I then don't they know you, if we'll ever strike. I mean, can you imagine how in the fuck is Cooper ever gonna come back and like start you know talking about donuts and being you know uh, being like the 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 comedy Cooper. You know, like, right. uh, did you, can you hear that? You know, and having all the, you know, all those little lines, which are fantastic. And also the bravado that he had, he had a quiet bravado to him, which I, uh, which I do miss, but you know, the odds are, we're probably, well, would it be interesting now that you say that it's like, I, it makes total sense that 
it would never happen because he's it's damaged in so many ways. Well, it's it, also we pass on. We're never going to be the same way. He's uh, right. He's not the same person as he was 30 years ago. I'm not the same person. You're not the same. It's like it's impossible to recreate that simply because of time and also. But if we see, I totally agree. But if we see Mr. C, like come back to Twin Peaks, like looking just like Dale Cooper or whatever, it would be so fascinating to see. Like his, he would be returning after 25 years. The trees, the coffee, and the pie. Like how he would react to that with Bob inside of him. Because then we have we have shades of like Leland or whatever. I mean, Leland was like you know like he could pass for Leland even though he had Bob in him most of the time or you know whatever some of the time or whatever. That would be very interesting to get all of those. Do you think like, Bob would wax like, nostalgic? He'd be like, ah, oh, good times in this town. <laughs> 26 years ago. I'll never yeah, I dropped the that back. Yeah, I was raping right. that girl over and over and over again <laughs> that would be Boy, that i would fun. i would i would be okay with that i would be okay with like you know bob waxing you know nostalgic for uh, the good old days you know um so yeah i i don't i, I there's so many possibilities and i, I think that this is a, a slow you know evolution obviously lynch's he loves being you know deliberate with his pacing and and I don't think I don't really think they're trolling us, but they know they Frost and Lynch had to know like, hey, you know, we, they created Dougie and they're like, hey, you know, he's works for an insurance company. He's got like a wife and kid. It's like, you know, it's like the, the once in a lifetime song by Talking Heads that how people were going to react. They're not they're not, you know, dumb. You know, they're not they knew how that was. good. So there's a reason for it. And they're playing off on, you know. Well, on. just listen to the theme of the. Did you listen to the lyrics of the Sharon Van Etten song at the end of this episode? I, <laughs> have to I can't wake up. I can't wake. It's about not being able to wake up, I believe. And so yeah, it's I, all tying in. And uh, I think they are. Um, maybe I should because I. I us, they're, they're just make. They're like sadists. They're like sadists. They're sadists to a degree. I think that they're let, making us wait for it. Um, but then they're going to give it to us. I think they are going to, but I don't think they're going to give it to us in a way that we, you know, expect or I don't care about Cooper coming back. Honestly, I really just want, I want the full black Lodgian like experience. And that's really all I want. I want to, I want I want all that. I want the Briggs. I want the mystery I want the blue book. I want Albert. I want Jeffries. That, then I'm happy. That's really all I want. I don't care. Yeah, no, I mean, I do. I mean, I want that. Although too, dude, Inga was awesome. Seeing her. She was great. Right. That was seeing her coming back. You mean was it Heidi? Is that Heidi, her name? Inga, yeah, whatever Inga. the German girl. Yeah. The yes, girl, yeah. yes, she was yeah. back. Yeah, <laughs> that was good. No, I, I <laughs> she gained like hundred pounds. I would never recognize her other than the laugh. That's uh, that was the laugh. And she did yeah. it like twelve times, right? Yeah. I mean, it was like over and over and over again. I don't have a problem with like you know the smaller role, the Twin Peaks, like the Jacoby. I love the Jacoby scene. I thought that was great. You know, are we going to get any more Jacoby, or, or was that it? I, I don't know. Um, but I don't mind all of that. My whole thing is like. Are all of these threads, you know, going to kind of like come together, you know, um, like New York, South Dakota, you know, Argentina, all these things, Twin Peaks, the drug trade, you know, all the, you know, we're getting some of these little mysteries are kind of, you know, you know, coalescing and coming together, but the bigger picture isn't like coming into focus yet. And I think that it will, but I just don't think it, it's something that will, you know, we'll, you know, we'll be able to predict. And I don't think we should be able to predict that. Um, but I, I do I do agree with you that all of the the lodging aspects of it the the mysterious elements the Briggs or whatever we're gonna get more of that um, because the setup is you know is phenomenal with all of that that's why we love the first three or four episodes so much right because I love the first like, five I loved them all I, well, I, the I, I did, episodes, yeah. it's got its, it's got its merits you know but um, it does it does yeah the first four were, were actually three four and five are my favorite of the, the, that that run right there. I, but I love two as well. Two, three, four, five. I didn't like one as much, um, but it does I do, have I fantastic do. scenes in it. But uh, I do yeah. think that someone is going to, at the end of the day, and this is a whole nother like conversation, basically. But uh, I think someone, someone, some like you know, super savvy editor is going to take all these eighteen hours and cut it down to like nine or ten hours, hours or something like yeah. that, or three hours or whatever. Can you imagine? And, I think these Dougie scenes would they, they would work. They would still work if you just cut them down by like eighty percent. I think you don't have to have all this uh, Peter Sellers being there, uh, you know, the party type, you know. <laughs> Just silent comedy, really, is what it is. And, I agree, uh, but I think what it is, um, they don't have enough material for like. I don't think there's a bunch of material on the cutting room floor. They're going like, oh god, right? Man, that's you know, it. They're stretching it. They're stretching. They're stretching it. it. I think that was the whole it's thing. Me is off. that if you read any Lynch script, especially after like you know Blue Velvet, 
but even in blue velvet or whatever. I mean, actually going back to Eraserhead, Eraserhead, if I'm not mistaken, was a like 20-page script. It turned into a 90-minute movie. Um, and you look at Blue <laughs> Velvet. And no, you look at Blue Velvet. All of his scripts, there are so many. It, it, it usually is like you know 120 because you know, there's a, a – in and screenplays, a page kind of a, a, is equivalent to like one minute of screen time. So like Blue Velvet was like 120 pages, it was, and it was a two-hour movie or whatever. But there were so many scenes that got cut out. When Lynch directs his films or whatever – he he's he's cut in the mold of like you know of Kubrick or whatever he he likes to you know, he has this very deliberate pace or whatever and he winds up with four or five six hour cuts or whatever so I think that was that happened with this I think they wrote a script that was like nine episodes that was the that was the deal they made with Showtime and then Lynch realized like no I want to play with this this Dougie character I and I know. You know how I'm going to direct it now. I know I'm going to let it kind of like you know play out or whatever, and I need more time. So um, I think that's all Lynch, and that's that's Lynch. So I don't think that there are 18 hours of like you know, d- you know additional material we're losing. He's just stringing it out because that's how you know he sees the narrative unfolding. Well, I trust him. I uh, am fully on board still, and will take uh, a lot more abuse from Dougie. <laughs> Uh, How much more abuse will you take? What I'll, if take it, I'll take it all. I'll take it all to the very end, my friend. I will sit <laughs> in and take it till the 18th episode, the very final second of the 18th episode is over. And I'll probably will still like it. Um, you know, we obviously have some other bigger fish to fry, I think. And I think we do get the point of what he's, what he's given us. But he's, you know, giving, us, giving it to us deliberately, and he's an artist, and I respect that. So we will continue to watch uh, his progressions. And in future episodes, we are getting to – the end of our episode uh, yes any final any final words tom well you know i could go on but uh i know I, I don't have any final words i think that okay i will give some final words this i haven't really thought about this or whatever i think that um uh maybe not this next part but i think maybe the end of the next part going into number eight i think is when it's really going to start to amp up i really do believe i don't know what is going to happen i think that we're going to do you know the title you know, of the next episode I think the next episode is "There's a Body, All Right." Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah, well, and we have the, two bodies already that came that will be discovered from last episode if they actually. And then we also have right the that could of, yeah, right that Bill, right there uh, could yeah, be, and who would have predicted that the one-armed man would have been the would guy have said, that don't said don't die? Don't yeah. die. Right, yeah. no one would have predicted that or whatever. But I, I think that um, we're getting like we're spending more time in Twin Peaks these last couple of episodes. Um, I think that's going to continue. I think that we're going to get like you know some kind of plot with with the Becky, the Amanda Seafried character, or whatever. Um, I'm not saying that there's going to be a, a dead body, but I do think there will be a dead body in Twin Peaks. Um, so I think there will be a mystery that's going to happen that is somehow, and I don't know how or why, tied into the events that we're seeing in all these other different areas, tied into like you know South Dakota, New York, Mr. C, everything. I don't think it's just going to be some random like dead body or mystery i think it's this this tapestry that we're witnessing is all connected because i believe lynch believes that like everything is connected the unified field and all that or whatever so that's what i'm thinking i'm so i don't have any grand predictions but um for all those people out there you know, wanting to give up or pissed off you know it's not the twin peaks that you remember it's not it's a lynch movie you know go with it you know but there's still going to be things in twin peaks that will you know that that you'll recognize and i think you'll get more of them and I think that we'll all be very happy and satisfied because it's something new and it's not rehashing. Oh, I agree. I concur completely. On that note, we'll see everyone next week. I'm going to go out to the park and practice my don't die, wake <laughs> up, tai chi. See you next time. <laughs> <laughs>